Hey, hey, this is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. This is a very special episode where I bring back a former guest and fan favorite, Bjorn Bonholzer. Bjorn is a leadership coach, a practitioner and founder of Voyager Strategy, a leadership development and coaching agency where he coaches managers and directors to effectively make the transition and thrive in a role that inevitably comes with greater expectations and higher accountability. But in this episode, we dive deep into our relationships and how we've each cultivated a thriving marriage with our partners, where one is an entrepreneur and the other is a leader in the corporate world. We talk about a lot of things from the silent power of nonverbal communication to navigating conflicts with grace. In this episode, you'll discover strategies and insights that can literally transform your relationship into an unbreakable bond. Just a few of the golden takeaways Bjorn and I share are the power of intimacy, how daily actions solidify the foundation of love, navigating relationship responsibilities with grace and teamwork, and effective strategies for turning disagreements into growth opportunities. So without further ado, this is me and Bjorn being vulnerable and talking about our marriages. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey, hey, Bjorn, welcome back to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Dude, it's a pleasure to be having this conversation with you, buddy. And just to tee this up for everyone listening, because Bjorn and I both live in Bend. We hang out, we talk about business, we talk about life, we love going on adventures. Bjorn is just a, a fun and empowering guy to be around. But there's one thing among the many qualities that I love about you, man, that I admire most, and that is your intentionality and your commitment to your relationship, which congratulations once again, has now become a loving marriage. Yes. Yeah, man. And that's yeah. what we want to talk about today. Because yeah. Bjorn and I were, were walking along the river a couple of weeks ago. We were sipping coffee and talking about how it'd be fun to do a podcast together where we talk all about cultivating a strong relationship with your significant other, what's worked for us, what we do to intentionally work on our marriages and how that plays into owning a business and entrepreneurship. Because just like a successful business, a flourishing marriage is built upon the pillars of teamwork unwavering communication, and a united vision. And it's about navigating the highs and lows together, strategizing for the future, and celebrating milestones as a team. And these are all things that you and your wife, Christine, do quite well. So I'm excited to dive in and tease out some, some tactical stuff that people can apply to their own relationships. Yeah, I'm excited. When, we, when you first approached me about this idea, I thought this is something unique in the podcast space, 
right? That's different than what I practice so heavily within leadership and organizational development and you within adventure and entrepreneurship. And I think regardless of the topic, this idea of really having such important and strong relationships, not just with your partner, but within your community, your tribe, your friends, um, all of those people is the thread line to ultimately what success looks like for you and, and, and what it all means and how it all plays out. And I'm also really excited because this is my second time on your podcast, TJ. Man, well, you're, uh, you're, I think, yeah, you're, you're only one of two people that actually, that's not even true. You are the only person that I've brought on a second time thus far. I did do an episode with one other person that we turned into a two-parter because it was so good and it was long, but all right, you're, you're, uh, the one and only at least for yeah. now, man. So badge of honor. <laughs> my my goal is much like SNL has the five time, the five time hosting club. Yes. My goal is to be the first five timer on adventurous entrepreneurs podcast. Well, you're well on your way, my friend. You're well on your way. <laughs> right. So let's see how we do on this one. That's right. Um, let's start, let's start here to set the stage for the conversation. Can you give us a bit of background on, on your partnership with Christine? Like, what do you guys do for work? Are you very similar personality wise, or is this a opposite attracts kind of relationship or just anything you think would be good background for people to be able to relate to as we navigate through this conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll start with the background and I'll get into our respective works, but it's interesting. We have two different stories of how the final about month of our friendship, uh, was different in our respective eyes, but how it actually started was, uh, we met in Seattle, we met on a dating app and, uh, we went on a few dates. And at that time, Christine wasn't ready to jump into a relationship. And I was pretty eager to, to lock that one down. I thought this is a good, this is a good one. I want to seize this opportunity. And we actually, uh, she gave me the old, um, let's just be friends piece of, uh, piece. You weren't taking no for an answer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I took that as gosh, if I, if I've the amount of times that I've heard that over the course of my dating life, I'd be a millionaire for every dollar that I heard that. Right. So I just kind of said, whatever, it's not going to pan out to anything. And I intentionally, deleted her phone number from my phone because I didn't want the urge to, to text or to call her or to say hi or see what she's up to. Right. I didn't want to be that sort of needy, aggressive person. So I just said the best way for me not to, to do, to fall into some of those habits is just to remove her contact information. Mm -hmm. And about a three or four weeks later, she reached out and said like, Hey, do you want to grab lunch? And I said, sure met for lunch and subsequently over the course of six months, hanging out once a month, led to twice a month, led to three times a month, led to weekly to where we were really spending a lot of time together. And it was completely platonic. And we look back now and that was the absolute core foundation. That was the unbreakable foundation to our relationship was having that six month period of time where we were just friends. There was no pressure to 
sort of perform or put on a facade or anything that goes into dating and wanting to have a really good impression. That was just all by the wayside. And it was just us two people hanging out. And I think if you were to ask Christine, one of the concerns that she had when we first met was that we were almost too similar, right? And what we've learned over the course of three years now is that we share the core pieces. That is what, what binds us together. We love adventure. We love travel. We're both highly driven, dedicated, motivated individuals, right? But we're in fact very different. And so we have a really nice balance of where we complement each other, but where we're also very different. Um, and as your listeners may know from having been on here before, I have my own leadership and organizational development practice called Voyager Strategy. So part of that is uh, executive leadership coaching. And the other part of that is working with organizations, growing organizations to build out uh, their talent development strategies and programs. And Christine just started a new job. She's entering a new phase in her professional career, which is so exciting. Yeah. She had been with a company for 14 years, and that was really her professional identity from the time that she graduated college to up until a few months ago, and now works for this just incredible organization called Marker Learning. And she is the, she oversees their account management and customer success functions and teams. And she couldn't be more happy about it. She is just in love. She always wanted to work for a mission-driven organization. And, uh, and she found exactly where she's supposed to be, where she's meant to be. I love it. And, you know, very similar in a lot of ways to Ali and I's relationship. You know, we're both very similar in the fact that we have shared values. Family comes first for us. Friendships right there behind family. Freedom, like freedom over stuff, freedom over money. We love to travel. We love to adventure. We love to explore nature and be outside as much as possible. We're we're both total goofballs. We we love to play. We love to be silly. We love to you know, make each other laugh when we're at home, have our own little inside jokes, but then we're very different in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very extroverted. Allie is very introverted. She can go in short bursts, but then needs to come back and, and recharge. Whereas I can just go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she's a planner. I, I am not. In fact, she keeps most of my schedule outside of like my work and business, <laughs> like any weekend or, or family trips or things that we have going on with friends. Usually I don't know what's going on and, and she has my calendar dialed in. So um, they're also very similar. Like, obviously I have a business. Um, I have this podcast, but Allie is in a corporate nine to five and she's killing it. She's a total boss lady. She's driven she's crushing it in her career which comes with a lot of challenges a lot of you know dealing with with tough situations with people yeah. negotiating and you know it's very awesome to see her driven in that direction but we are very different in our day-to-day -day lives and mm -hmm. we also both work from home which presents a lot of challenges as well which we can get into but you know similar to to us Christine's on a nine to five and you have 
your entrepreneurial journey that you on that you're on. So given the differences in your professional lives, how do you find that common ground when you're talking about work or, or business and coming back together at the end of the day? Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, despite being in the same home every day, or at least Monday through Friday in, in the core business hours, very rarely do we see each other throughout the day, right? It's one of those things where it's almost like you go to the office and you see your old friends, right? During, during lunch hour in the cafeteria or the break yeah. room, whatever it is. And that's really what it is like here with us is because so much of our work is done with our respective clients, primarily on video conference or, or just calls, traditional calls in general. We're locked away in our offices for much of the time. And so lunch hour is usually the time when, you know, we'll see each other, see each other briefly and say, Hey, how's, how's the morning going? And then it's usually we split back off into doing our own thing, but the evening time is really the most important time for us. And every night we ask each other two questions at dinner time. And that's what was the peak or the best part of your day? And what was the pit or the low part of your day? Every night we do that. And it's just a way for us to share experiences about that day, right? And what we've noticed or what we've learned from it is that, yeah, we can share the, the best part of our day, our work day and the worst part of our work day, right? Maybe a call didn't go as planned, or maybe you lost a contract or maybe you had a great client call, whatever it may be. But what it also does is it brings us back to our relationship where maybe someone said something that was positively intended, but the outcome was, you know, kind of came off in jest or whatever it may be. And it's an opportunity to not keep that in your mind and have it just create this volcano to where it erupts in the future, right? And that, that lingering frustration or resentment or whatever it may be. But it's also that opportunity to say like, hey, I know you didn't mean that, but this is how it felt to me. This is how it came off to me, right? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> As soon as as soon as it is acknowledged, as soon as someone says I'm sorry, it's like, bam, we can come right back to our normal goofy, lovey selves, right? But that peak and pit is really a foundation for us uh, in terms of our daily, I'll call it rituals of communication, if you will, where we just talk about the things that are important to us. I love that. Something yeah. that we do similar to it. I wouldn't say we are always the best at doing it daily, but especially when we've had a very challenging day and it could be both of us. It could be the other posing this question when, you know, I see Allie really struggling to move past something that happened at work that day, or she's venting and, you know, it's time to turn the work off. So what we'll do is, is have a gratitude practice where like, what are three things that, that you're grateful for today? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily always good things. You know, you could be grateful for a tough conversation that you had and the ultimate outcome that it had or something that you learned or how that, you know, was uncomfortable and it sucked, but you're going to be better prepared for it down mm -hmm. the road. And when we can share a few things and we usually will do it 
like she'll share one, I'll share one, she'll share one, I'll share one. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's conversational and we can acknowledge each other. And just through that practice, after three questions, five minutes, it's like, okay, let's go, let's go have dinner now, or let's, let's go on a walk. Let's, let's do our thing. And, you know, balancing the work from home life, you know, it's very different from you guys, even though you're in the same house, you know, you say you don't see each other that much throughout the day. Allie and I are good about having boundaries. Like we close our doors. We make sure that we knock if we need to to talk to the other person, but we are constantly like collaborating throughout the day. If Allie's like typing up a, a challenging email, she might text me and say, Hey, when you have a minute, can you come look at this? Or, you know, if I'm working through something and want an extra set of eyes or an opinion, oh, sure. I'll, I'll reach out to her. And that might not always work for everybody, but we've found ways of setting up boundaries to respect each other's time and schedule because, you know, like you, we're both having pretty important meetings all the time, whether it's with clients or stakeholders, sponsors in her case. So we need to be in the mode. We need to be in, you know, in the game and, and focused and distracting each other can definitely be detrimental to that. But also finding that time to come together. We go on daily walks, try to walk at least twice a day, whether it's just down to the mailbox to, to grab our mail and come back or something a little bit longer, just to get outside and, and really enjoy some intentional time together. And, you know, for us working from home was more of a struggle at first being so close and, and so in each other's lives. But as we set up some of these rules and boundaries and laid out the intentional time, like walks and lunch, it's become a really harmonious thing where yeah. I love working from home. I love working with, you know, my, my partner and being able to, to help each other in business and in work. It's definitely a, a phenomenal thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, what did you, what did you learn about yourself in particular when you both started to work from home together? Oh, let's see. For me, I think I I learned how to just create better habits around how I structure my time. And especially when it comes to turning work off, you know, when we, when five o'clock rolls around, no matter what, I mean, in business, there's always more that I could be doing. And, And more often than not, like I look at my inbox and there's way more email in there than I want. And I'm super OCD about that. So I want to keep working and, and crush some stuff out and clear things for the next day. But we've set up rules where it's like, no, five o'clock comes around, whether I need to come back or Allie needs to go back to work later in the evening, we're going to stop. We're going to go have dinner together. We're going to share gratitude, talk about our day, go float the river, do something with friends, whatever it's going to be, have that intentional shut off time and go enjoy life. You know, we're not, we're not in business or, or working to just grind it out and, and buy into the hustle culture. We want to enjoy life here and now. And mm-hmm. that's not just on the weekends. We want to be able to carve out time to explore and have adventures throughout the week, in the middle of the day, whenever we want to within reason and so when I started working, it was just like work, work, work all the time. I would work long hours, long, you know, way into the evening on weekends. But as we've kind of navigated those waters together and I've created more stability in my business, learned how to 
you know, shut things off and detach from work, it's become a lot easier to mm-hmm. enjoy intentional time and just be present together. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think you and I certainly prescribe to, but also we collectively in, in our relationships with Ali and Christine is that the four of us are inherently doers. We're all highly motivated individuals and, and really good at what we do with our respective, our respective crafts. But we work to live, not live to work, mm-hmm. right? I think that's a really important thing. And I always come back to this idea because I'll never forget in high school, my high school graduation, that was one of the first and final things that our principal said was, remember, you'll go off to do wonderful things in your career, but remember that you ultimately work to live and enjoy that time. And it sounds like we have core business hours that we dedicate. You and I really as entrepreneurs can be a little more flexible in that. Whereas Ali and Christine have that dedicated time within their organizations, but we always make time to enjoy life outside of work, to not get too consumed in it, that it controls our life, our mentality, our mindset, our fatigue and our stress, et cetera. And I think that's a really important piece. For sure. And I think it's hard to do unless you're actually intentional about it. Like for Ali and I, you know, we want to design our lives around work. Well, we want to design work around our lives is a better mm-hmm. way to put it. And so at different points in our lives, whether it was when I was still in my corporate nine to five, you know, we would do vision boarding together and really map out what we wanted in this upcoming season of life. And that was travel. And we made that happen. We saved up, we made some sacrifices in the short term to be able to reap the reward of going on this amazing adventure together, which ultimately mm-hmm. led us to bend. It led us to, you know, me starting this business, her to this role that she's in now that really fulfills her. But when we came back, we had to do the same thing. It's it's never just a, a set it and forget it. Life changes and you need to be intentional about designing this upcoming season the way you want it to. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you're just going to be reactive. So for us, it was having that work from home life that was harmonious and understanding that we needed to have boundaries around how we were going to work together. We needed to find a house because we were looking at buying a house. We needed to find a house that would have you know, a functional layout so that we weren't just on top of each other all day. We each had our own space that we could turn into an office and close the door and be independent and focus. We wanted to be in bend. So we needed to figure out for Allie a role that would be fully remote and allow her to be here. And Mm -hmm. it's just all of those little things that you need to talk about. And especially if you're in business or your wife is in business and the other person's on on a different corporate trajectory, there's things that you need to hash out and really figure out how you're going to be able to create that balance in life. So I'm curious for you guys, how, how are you navigating, you know, this, this new season that you're in now you're, you're married, she's starting a new job. You're going to continue to work from home. Do you have any rituals or practices that you follow to design the the life that you guys want to live in the future? Yeah, we have two. Well, and I I always think of them as sort of bookends. When we 
first started dating. I'll never forget it. We were in Stinson Beach outside of San Francisco in Marin County there. And we we're staying at this really cool Airbnb on the ocean front. And that's ultimately when we decided that that this is it, that we're that we're going all in and we found our our persons. And we sat there at an oceanfront cafe in the fog, in the you know, San Francisco fog layer, marine layer there. And we we wrote out relationship commandments. And we had 14 mm-hmm. of them. And these were gonna be the pillars that when we get through or when we're coming into tough times, that we can lean on these for support, right? And so that was really the start of our relationship in terms of how we confront adversity, what we always come back to, right? In, in a way, it's almost like a values-based system that we hold ourselves to individually and together. And then the other one is we have a huge, huge desire. Our end game is to have a bunch of acres facing the sisters and broken top and bachelor away, you know, with, with neighbors in the distance and this beautiful home. And that's our version of, of a dream. And so that's what we work towards, right? That's sort of what we talk about all the time is like, what's going to get us to that home? What's going to get us to buying that piece of property that we that we want, right? I love that. It's yeah. your rich life. You know That's what your rich, rich life, life right? looks like. I, so yeah. I, we love Ali and I listening to Ramit Sethi. He's got this podcast. He's got mm-hmm. this Netflix show. And everybody's rich life looks different. Mm-hmm. And especially in a relationship, your rich life might look different than your wife's rich life. Mm-hmm. And so having that conversation around how you would navigate that together if it is different Mm -hmm. or if it's the same, like for you guys, it sounds like you are in alignment. We want to have this home, this dream home someday. And Mm -hmm. from that, you can design what it will take to get there and really create the the steps to achieving that goal. So I love that. And I'm curious about these commandments, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable sharing, just to give people some context, like what, what are a couple examples of the commandments that you guys Crafted for yeah. One of them off the top of my head is um, um, respect each other's friends mm-hmm. and, and make an effort to get to know them, right? That's Which was really interesting that on our wedding day or our wedding week was the first time that probably 90% of my friends met Christine for the first time. Yeah. Right? Because they live in Texas or Boston or New York or wherever it may be. And we started dating during COVID when obviously there were travel restrictions in place. So that's, that is one. Um, The other one is to, despite the uncomfortableness is always talk about, always talk about money and never let money be a source of stress. Right. And that was a really important one to, to be vulnerable is to say, gosh, I'm going to log into my bank account and you're going to see everything. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, lay out the dirty laundry. Lay out the, and you can you can see you know sort of my my net worth, if you will, right? Yeah. In terms of liquidity, uh, but having that was really important to get over that hum of anxiety and stress of oftentimes money being, you know, the decision maker of why people get divorced. And yeah. so the more that we could do that was, was really important. Um, so those are just two that have, that have come to mind um, that we always come back to. Yeah. I'm, I'm particularly interested in the financial piece because as you alluded to, it is the biggest stressor in people's relationships. It's one of the biggest causes of divorce. And it's a hard thing for, I mean, myself included, mm-hmm. especially years ago to, to talk about, especially, you know, when, when things aren't going well <laughs> and you're just getting started and, and you're grinding out a business mm-hmm. and, and money isn't flowing quite as much as you'd like it to be. How do you guys go about managing your, your finances. Yeah. I was actually just thinking about this today. Um, I ask people this all the time, married couples in particular, how do do you manage your money? Is it shared as an individual? And what I've learned is that everyone's money story to your point about the, what, what their version of rich looks like is very different. Um, we have separate accounts, separate, separate accounts, bank, uh, savings and checking, but we also have a shared account and we also have a shared credit card that we use for the normal day-to-day expenses, groceries, gas, insurance, but also trips. Right. Um, but if there, if I want to go out and buy a new fly rod or go out on a fishing trip with a buddy, that's something that I pay for on my own. And likewise, if Christine wanted to go to Cabo for three days with her girlfriends, something that she would, that she would buy. Um, but that isn't, I always say that's like WIP that's work in progress, right? That is something that we're, that we're constantly talking about is how do we, how do we combine our monies, but also recognize that it's important to have your own accounts still. Um, And also it's particularly important now because I'm in year two of building out Voyager strategy. Christine has a, has a salary based position. And so talking about, well, how can we how can we break it down evenly so that way no one person feels like they're carrying the family, but also recognizing that we're at two different maybe financial positions in terms of revenue or contributing, contributing, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's that's something that we talk about regularly. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you for sharing that perspective. And I think what you said at the end there is really the the key part is talking about it regularly. You you have to talk about these things, even if it is uncomfortable. Like Allie and I, we, we do do it differently. We have all of our accounts shared and we have some rules in place around, you know, personal purchases. If it's something that's you know, over a hundred dollars, we talk about it, but if it's something small, that's going to bring us joy. And that is a defining mm-hmm. piece. It's like, 
does, will this thing actually bring me joy or is this just an mm -hmm. impulse buy on either part? And so that's kind of on our own to, to figure out. And if it is something that will bring us joy and it's you know reasonable price, then boom, go for it. Bigger yeah. purchases, we always talk about together, trips, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're always going to talk about that. But yeah. having things together for us just removed any mystery around you know, what's coming in, what's going out. And we also were then able to kind of delegate tasks in terms of how we go about managing our finances. Like I control, we use Mint to kind of track things. I'm in there and categorizing and kind of seeing where mm -hmm. we're at. And I'll, I'll relay that information to Ali and say, hey, you know, we spent uh, $1,500 on eating out last month. We should probably yeah. rate it in this month. And then we can have a conversation around that. And for Ali, it's a little more stressful to, to be looking at the numbers all the time. And, you know, as long as we're kind of keeping things within our means and we're talking about it, you know, she's totally happy with me being the one that has my eyes on things. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to investments or, you know, anything like that, we're just talking about is seeking out counsel together, you know, or if I'm going to talk to somebody about what they recommend. I'm always going to bring that back so that we can mm -hmm. talk about it together and understand what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. I love how you highlighted what the threshold is where you, it's, you know, you give yourself permission to buy what it is that you want and anything above that limit or that amount is something that you run by alley. And I was just talking with another person about this recently who has that, who has that same same mentality or agreement with their partner. Whereas if it's above X amount of dollars, they say, Hey, is this okay? Are you, are you okay with this? And, and oftentimes what I've learned throughout these conversations is it's less about whether, whether you have the money to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's more about just honoring that person's word to say, do you mind, right? This is going to cost $800, right? Are you, are you okay with me doing this? Right. It just opens up that door for that person to share a concern, a thought, an opinion, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. And you might not always like the opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, you know, especially Allie likes to shop sometimes. So sometimes she'll be like, yeah, I'm going to buy this stuff. And I'm like, maybe let's look at the closet first. Maybe we get rid of some stuff because the closet's getting really full. And sometimes it's like, okay, you know, and we can reverse roles there. There's plenty of things where yeah. she'll give me that type of, you know, questioning, but it's at the end of the day, is this going to bring joy? And if it is, if it's going to fill us up or fill one of us up individually, and we have the means to be able to afford it, go for it. Yeah. And if it's something that, you know, we talk about and it's like, okay, no, that doesn't actually, that isn't something I need to go buy. Then yeah. we can appreciate being able to, to talk through that. And going back to the rich life, when you have something that you're working towards, every dollar that you save have meaning. You know, if you're saving up to have this dream home, every dollar that you don't put towards buying new clothes or for me, you know, buying new mountain bike gear or something like mm -hmm. that, you can be strategic and mm -hmm. feel gratitude in the fact that, all right, that's working for us. That's working towards a, a bigger goal that we have in our rich yeah. life. So yeah, absolutely. can you share 
like a particularly challenging time in your relationship and, and how you navigated that situation together? Yeah. I always come back to, to 2020. Um, but really it was 2020 through well, 2019 through 2023. So even pre Bjorn and Christine dating, but then through marriage. And that was, um, in 2019, Christine's brother-in-law, Tony was, was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer at 38. And later that year, they had their first and only child together, Callie, who is now uh, coming up on four in December. And um, obviously COVID happened in 2020. I was at that time living in San Francisco. I'd always wanted to move to San Francisco, even just for a year. I just had this love for the Bay Area and finally pulled the trigger in January and said, I'm going to move down there and had a great job at the time. And Christine and I started dating long distance and it was all good up until March when obviously COVID hit and San Fran was the first city to really go into lockdown. And in order for us to spend time together and with Tony in particular, we had to be incredibly careful about exposure. And oftentimes what would happen was Christine would fly down and then we would drive back up to Seattle and spend time together with Tony. Um, and so that year in particular, so much of our time together was spent in a car, right? Going between Long California. Trips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we did Seattle to San Fran and Seattle to Bend and Bend to San Fran and Seattle to Montana and Idaho and all these different road trips. And so that was a really important time. But what I learned during that process was two things is one, there's not a better way to get to know someone than being in the car with them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Seriously. You yeah. learn little nuances, you learn little ticks, you learn little habits, right? And ultimately those road trips brought in one of our commandments was to always have snacks. Right? We knew that if we were going to be on oh, a road yeah. trip, you know, if it was more than four hours or something, we had to have snacks Yeah, because if one of us got hangry, then it just made that just an awful, awful road trip. Right. Um, so we share in that too. Allie needs her snacks. Yeah. So I, I'm always paying attention to where we're at on the food spectrum and water spectrum and where's yeah. the closest bathroom. So exactly. Keep the peace yeah. in the car. <laughs> yeah. So one is we just learned a lot about each other. Yeah. Two, we learned that we both are really, really okay with silence at times. What would others perceive as a long moments of silence? Right. I can remember driving for up from San Fran or from Bend. And there were times when we didn't say anything for like an hour. Yeah. And it was totally fine. There was, it wasn't the other person was mad. It wasn't anything. It was just, we were just fine embracing the stillness of that moment. 
And then the third thing that I learned was if you want to resolve an argument, have a road trip because you cannot escape the car. And so in a way we were forced, if I was upset about something or something was nagging her and we had a long drive ahead of us, that gave us time just to hammer that frustration out. Right. And to talk about it. And I think that actually really supported us in overcoming some challenges and just generally managing conflict or discomfort uh, were, were some of those road trips, but that came at a, at a massive cost. Right. And that was because we road tripping was the only way in order for us to see Tony during that really difficult time. Yeah. How about you? I love the, well, so quickly here, I love the the forgiveness piece, like road trips, it's, it's hard to hide. You got to work through stuff. And, and that's an important lesson that I learned. I talked to a couple that had been married for over 60 years and, you know, I was like, all right, what's the secret to success here? And the number one thing that they said was just learn to forgive quickly, mm-hmm. you know, have, have that conversation. Don't, don't let something fester. Don't let the anger that you have or you know the the guilt that you might feel or whatever that um, the emotion is that's really the core that's that's creating a rift between you don't let it continue to widen that gap obviously you need to take a breath you need to step back if something's heated take time mm-hmm. apart but learn to come together quickly and for Ali and I you know that's something that I've worked on to be better at because it wasn't something I was good at. I could huff and puff and storm away and and be Mm -hmm. upset. But the more I've practiced coming back together and talking through things and and really finding what what I did wrong or or what the core issue was and working through it and just learning to forgive. You know, Mm -hmm. there's the little things you can be upset because somebody doesn't put the the toilet seat down or Mm -hmm. didn't didn't take the trash out or all those little things just are insignificant at the end of the day. So holding a grudge or holding on to something like that, I've learned is just, uh, it's not conducive to mm-hmm. a happy, healthy relationship. And mm-hmm. so I sweat things a lot less, but a challenging time for us was definitely, well, COVID, let's see, which way do I want to go? Now I'm going to go this way. So when we came back from traveling for a year and a half in Asia, it was obviously really exciting. We were home with family. We were seeing friends again that we hadn't seen in a year and a half plus, but it was also a really challenging time in our lives because I was starting a business. Allie didn't have a job. We went from being totally free. Just every day was an adventure. We were exploring life one adventure at a time and had nothing holding us back to now we're living at home with my parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. And although we were in a like an in-law unit, we had our own home separate from them. You know, we were just constantly around family, whether it was my parents or Allie's parents who also lived in Ashland at the time. Allie was struggling with kind of the re-entry, reverse culture shock. Some people get the culture shock when you go to a country. Other people, it's when you return back to normal life that can really just suck Mm -hmm. the life out of you. And it's hard to move forward through that. And so she struggled with a lot of emotional stuff and just stress around her job. And 
one of the things that I learned in that moment is that relationships are not a 50-50 split. There's always going to be give and take. There's always going to be a need for one of you to step up and fill the gap where someone else needs that gap filled. You know, we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. We all have things we love to do and that we hate to do. I don't mind cleaning the kitchen. I don't mind doing chores. I kind of find it meditative to just like clean the house. Mm -hmm. Allie hates that. (laughs) So for me, just kind of understanding that, hey, I can really make a difference and make her life a lot easier and happier by just doing something that isn't a big deal to me. I'll Mm -hmm. clean up the kitchen. I'll do the dishes. I love to cook. I'll cook most of the time. Whereas I hate planning. I I hate like calling people to deal with like issues with a bank charge or anything like that, where I have to be on hold. Allie doesn't love it, but it's not as painful for her. So she'll fill that void there. And Mm -hmm. when we can understand where we can give and take and kind of assign ourselves roles or in a situation where somebody's struggling, pick up the slack. That's how I've found we can create amazing synergy and cohesion and really just lift each other up through hard times. So, and if it's a time where you're both struggling, there's still those little things that you can do to help each other. And it takes patience, definitely takes some vulnerability and the ability ability to talk through and really Mm -hmm. just be open and honest about things that are are going on in your life and that you like and that you hate and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So, and it takes commitment, right? That you recognize that you're willing to offer to the other person that you're not at a hundred percent today. Yeah. Right. And I always come back to this idea and I love that you highlighted that relationships aren't 50, 50. And there was a time when I was going up to Seattle and Christine was already there and something happened as I was going to the airport and I was frustrated. I was just annoyed. I was irritated. And I just simply shot her a text and said, I just want you to know that I'm not at a hundred percent, you know, I'm at like 40%, but I don't need you to make up the 60. Mm-hmm. Just want to let you know, I'm at 40% yeah. right now, right? I got that. I got that much gas in the tank. And what I didn't know was when I got to Seattle, she also was not at hundred percent. She was at 40% because she had a little health scare that just popped up the night before that I didn't know. Yeah. Right. And just acknowledging that I was not at 40%. And then later learning that, that she was also not at a hundred percent. There was no need for other of us to fill up the other, other person's bucket. Yeah. Right. Instead, it was like, okay, if we're both here, let's just honor that. Let's honor that time. We know that this is only temporary and how can we support each other given where we're at individually and together? Right. And it just made that bounce back that much easier for both of us and that much quicker too. That was huge for us in COVID. I think we probably picked it up from a podcast or something, but literally a pulse check. Like, where are you at? 10%, 20%, 30%. 
80% and verbalizing that every day. Yeah. And like you said, when we were both, you know, running on fumes, 20%, and maybe we had some commitments that evening that neither of us really wanted to do when we were able to say, Hey, yeah, I'm at 20%. Oh, you're at 20% too. Okay. Maybe we don't go do that thing that we're supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> maybe we just have a night in and relax and do yeah. nothing. And yeah, it gives it gives you permission to feel, yeah. like authentically feel how you are at that moment. Yeah, and that's yeah. such an empowering thing. It is, and it all it all boils down to communication. And you know, I think there's been different points in our relationship where we've really relied on different methods of communication. For a while, we were having like a weekly team huddle where we had you know, some questions that we'd ask each other to, to check in, like what's, what's going well this week? What, what was something that I did that frustrated you? What, what's something coming up next week that is kind of looming over you. That's going to be stressful or is going to be, you know, something that's going to create a little bit of anxiety or, or tension that I should look out for. And how can I support you in that upcoming week when that happens? So having some structure around it can be helpful if it's not a natural thing to just say, Hey, I'm at 10% and here's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, being able to have that, that give and take. So. Yeah. Especially early on in a relationship where again, you're eager to, you're eager to, to be the best person for this other individual, right? You're, you're eager to show the brightest side of you and it can be really intimidating for yourself to admit your own faults or whatever it may be. And early on in our relationship, actually the first year that we started, um, that we started living together, we were just dating at the time. We came across these books called, um, create the love cards. Yep. And there are, I don't know, probably 90 cards in here of four different topics. And they're curated questions designed to spark meaningful communication and strengthen relationships. And so at our dinner table, we just put out this deck of cards and every night we would shuffle them and just take the top card off the deck. And that would be the question that we would ask. And so I, I pulled that. three that just, I found today that you maybe wouldn't otherwise ask the person right in the day to day when everything's going well, Right. You wouldn't necessarily ask them, um, you know, how do you like others to show you that they love you? Hmm. Or what do you feel your ideal financial setup would be with a life partner? If you're intimidated or scared to talk about money and someone asks you this, right? That's a pretty forward facing question to say, okay, I'm going to put it on the table, right? Yep investing is really important for me or experiences are really important for me or i love collecting rare jordan shoes whatever <laughs> it may be right yeah and then the other one is that i just pulled is what are your beliefs about marriage right that's a good one and imagine how that conversation would be different for a couple whose parents were either both separated or divorced or one was happily married and the other couple was in a really 
say, bad relationship, right? Where there's no love present, or maybe both couples that there's no love present. And how does that shape our perception of what marriage should be or what we want marriage to look like? And so just having this deck of cards almost like forced us to have some challenging conversations really on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have to drop the link to that in the show notes. I think that's a tremendous asset that I'm sure is relatively inexpensive for anybody that's in a newer relationship or maybe, you know, getting ready to take a relationship and turn it into a long-term commitment, a marriage. But even for somebody that's like me, I mean, I've been in my relationship for over 16 years now, and those are definitely things we've talked about, but would be worth a revisit. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of other gold questions in there. So I love that. Sometimes just having, having structure around it, having something that is spontaneous, like pulling a random card from a deck or very structured, like these journals that I was describing earlier, where on a weekly basis, we were going in and reflecting on the same questions, having that framework and that intentionality to work on your relationship, to work on strengthening your relationship and building it on solid ground, on a foundation of shared values and an understanding mm-hmm. where you are aligned and where you have different goals or different opinions on something. Because, you know, there's plenty of great relationships out there, happy, healthy marriages where people are very different mm-hmm. <laughs> in, you know, everything from political views to financial goals and, and everything in between. So mm-hmm. that's okay but you need to be able to talk about it and understand where the other person's at and where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. So how do you and Christine celebrate your relationship milestones or wins in business wins in, in work? How do you, you know, take that intentional time to, to celebrate and keep the relationship vibrant? Yeah. Just actually, just recently we were talking about this where I had solo, I recently celebrated one year of Voyager and Christine was in the final stages of this interview process that she really wanted to where she's now at. And I can remember vividly having the conversation of just saying, we got to celebrate. We got to celebrate more. Yeah. Right. We got to celebrate even the small, the small wins Yep. and just make time for that acknowledgement Right. And you can see those sticky notes on my, on my door there, the four of them, where those are all just notes that Christine has left me over the course of a year or so. Nice. You know, where it's stuff like I've got one right here. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. best is yet to come, but it's yeah. those little reminders that I think uh, just help to sort of reestablish the little successes and what it means to celebrate. Not everything has to be a gift, right? Not everything has to be a fancy dinner, but just constantly reminding, at least for for me and Christine, it's reminding that the other person is our biggest champion, is our biggest ambassador, is our biggest spokesperson, right? That's how we maintain those little small wins day over day over day. How about you guys? No, I couldn't couldn't have said that better myself. Actually, I was talking with Allie before we started recording to just kind of tease out some some talking points, some things that she thought has been really impactful in our relationship. And prioritizing celebration is definitely one of the biggest. So 
celebrating wins, big and small. Like we celebrate the day we got engaged, the day we started dating, the day we got married, anytime there's something, you know, going on that's Mm -hmm. big in work. If I bring on a new, new client, that's something I'm really excited about, or, you know, Allie just got a, got a promotion. We're going to celebrate those things. We're going to take the Mm -hmm. time. We're going to do something outside the norm, go, go out to a nice dinner together, um, you know, have a, make a nest on the floor, watch a movie together with a bottle of wine, some popcorn, whatever we're feeling in that moment, but doing it with the intentionality of, Hey, we're going to spend this time together to celebrate what you just achieved or what we just achieved together. And I think that is one of the number one things that has continuously brought joy and connection into our relationship. And Mm -hmm. that's something that we will certainly be continuing moving forward. And one other side of that, I think, outside of celebrating is just the power of of challenges together. Like for Ali and I, we have a lot of goals that are very different, you know, with work for her, business for me, we're not working on the same things. But more often than not, we find that there are different things in any given season that we both want to work on. And so, for example, like fitness, that's something that's important to us all the time. So right now we're doing a burpee challenge together where we're going to do a hundred burpees a day and we're going to hold each other to that. And that gives us something to to throw up on the board at the end of every day and say, yep, we, we checked that off. There it is on our uh, bathroom wall you know, drinking less during the week. That's something that we both wanted to be intentional about just for our health and, mm-hmm. and longevity. So, you know, keeping track of that and talking about it together and yeah. just finding those ways where we can lift each other up and, and encourage each other where we can do it together and and challenge each other and, and make gamify it to some degree. Make yeah. it fun. Well, it's also just hone in on this a hundred burpees a day. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude. So I got inspired to do this, or we both got inspired to do this by uh, another previous podcast guest, uh, Brock Shadler had him on and man, he was just doing, he was in Mexico for the last month and he was just like on this personal journey of growth and personal development. He was doing like a thousand burpees a day and a thousand pushups a day. And like, he's super buff and just a, a badass, total champion. But I was like, damn, all right, let's do some burpees, Allie. And she was she was ready for it. So a hundred is actually easier. You don't do them all at once. You do 10 at a time and, you know, you can knock it out over the course of the entire day or in an hour or even in 10 minutes if you really want to get after it. But if you do a hundred burpees, even if you didn't get another workout in, like you, you did something pretty significant and yeah. you're, you're going to reap rewards there. So. Yeah, I do. Or actually in in the winter time, primarily when we can't, you know, go for trail runs or hikes, we'll do cardio or hit classes on the Peloton Yeah, and we'll do the full body. And at some point in time, they always do burpees. And I remember at first, when I first started doing these hit classes, I was like, Oh, burpees, no problem. I can do that. And then you, you do like three or five or six when you're first starting out and you're just huffing. Yeah. Just gassed, right? Yeah. Burpees are, I, it's, I've it's never one of the gotten better at them. Movements, <laughs> full body workout, cardio strength. I mean, I hadn't done them in a while. And yesterday when we did, I did the first 10 and I was like, Whoa, my heart was pounding yeah. and I was huffing yeah. and puffing. So it's definitely like quick, 
and I mean, not easy, but like you can do a burpee anywhere. Like you don't need a weight room. You don't need to throw yeah. on a Peloton workout. Like you can just do 10 burpees and the reward is significant. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. your, your best value for money when it comes to a workout move. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, as we move to wrap up here, keeping with tradition, I have a choose your own adventure question for you. But instead of my normal options, I'm going to toss in a relationship twist into the equation. So can you share either one of the most memorable adventures that you and Christine have had and how it strengthened your bond or perhaps a time where you encountered an obstacle on a trip and had to overcome some adversity together? Yeah, Uh, easy. Easy. Uniquely, Christy and I have the same birthday. And so every September we do a trip to celebrate our birthdays. And instead of gifting each other something physical, we gift each other an experience. So in 2020, we went to Whitefish, Montana and went fly fishing and rock climbing and horseback riding Last year, we went to Sweden to to not only celebrate our birthdays, but also to visit family members, my extended family in Sweden. And, and so what we'll do is we'll, we'll jointly decide on a gift to do on our birthdays, and then I'll gift her an experience, and she'll gift me an experience. So really, we get three experiences, right, which is a really unique thing. And uh, what we've learned as a result of gifting each other and sharing these unique experiences is that we have a love and we joke about this where there's not a couple, there's not a couple that loves spine more than we do. Right. (laughs) So massages and facials and, you know, foot massages and a day at the spa and the cold plunges and all of that. And uh, that's something that we both enjoy when we are at our, we're at our peak of peaks when we're together at the spa somewhere. Um, but it's, it's really neat that we have the same birthday and that we share those experiences somewhere together, um, in a new place every year. Yeah. I love that. And I love the, yeah, just finding something that you both thoroughly enjoy that's mm-hmm. just like oh that's my happy place and if you mm-hmm. can do that together what a rewarding thing mm-hmm. so you know whatever it is big or small try to find something that you guys can intentionally do together that really fills you up that's that nice treat that you can yeah. use as a as a gift or a, a reward like you we're we're definitely in the experiences over things camp so we tend to get each other smaller gifts, but we'll do like a getaway together for, mm-hmm. for birthdays or, or for uh, Christmas or anything like that. So yeah. I love it, man. Well, Bjorn, this has been awesome. Uh, I love learning from you. I love hearing how you cultivate a strong, meaningful relationship with Christine. And I want to give people the opportunity to connect with you if they have any questions about navigating a relationship with business, especially as an entrepreneur. So where can people connect with you, follow your work and support you online? Yeah. So you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I am a a regular on LinkedIn. uh, And I also have a monthly newsletter called Coffee Break, 
which is focused on leadership and organizational development best practices. So you can subscribe to that newsletter. Now you can also visit my website, voyagerstrategy.com. And I'll just preface that with, I am not a relationship expert. No, neither of us are. We are just sharing our experiences in our own relationship. So, But what I have learned and something that I often preach when we're working with clients around uh, emotional regulation primarily is it's much easier to put in the work ahead of time to foster the relationship than it is to spend time repairing the relationship. Right. And the more that you can do to foster or maintain that relationship, you inevitably spend less time having to go through the process of repairing that relationship. And that's a really important piece there. Yeah. I would echo that. I think, you know, it is far better to go to therapy before you have a problem and work on some of these intentional things to talk through, to understand, to work on your relationship, whether it's a journaling practice, a team huddle every week, or going to therapy that those are all things that Ali and I have done mm-hmm. at different points in our lives. And to your point, it is far better to have those conversations and do the work to avoid the problem at all before it comes up rather than trying to to salvage your relationship later down the line when you've let that gap like i talked about earlier you've let that that pain that aggravation that problem fester for too long to where now that that gap is just going to be a whole lot harder to build a bridge or to seal so Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got we started going to therapy together. We both were eager to do it. We both have yeah. individual therapy, but we wanted to do it together be, even before we started getting married, just to further that foundation and really make sure that it's rock solid. And one of our thing, one of the things that our therapist always says, who's so incredible, is like he always asks us, where can you find points of connection? Right. Yeah. So. Gotta look for those points. For sure. Well, Bjorn, I appreciate you, man. This has been a fun conversation. And we'll have to look forward to uh, round three, four, and five to get you into the the elite elite Adventurous Entrepreneurs Five Club. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. This was so much fun, TJ. You're an incredible host. And thanks so much for having me. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.